What's up, Christ Community Church? So I'm, uh, I'm going to go ahead and, and tell you right now, I know you're all going to want to get a little laugh out of my shirt, so go ahead. You can laugh. I'm wearing a lion shirt, and no, they don't dress like this in Kenya. This is for tourists only. So you got a real treat today, um, so if you want to laugh, you can. Um, but I just wanted to say uh, thank you so much uh, for allowing Anna and I to go. For those of you that don't know, um, we were able to go to Kenya uh, this past month. We went from uh, it was June 14th to about July 15th, so about a month. Um, we spent in Kenya working at a place called Mescals, which I'm going to be talking about um, today a lot. And so by the end of the day, right now you're like, what is Mescals? I don't know what that is. Um, but by the end of the day, you're going to know exactly what Mescals is and what it's for and how... Um, and how you can uh, partner with Mescals, and, and not just pray for Mescals, but maybe support uh, Mescals. So uh, the first thing I wanted to do is also say that that video is just a snapshot. It's not, it's not like that's not the whole trip right there. We barely really took any video of ourselves um, doing anything at all because we were usually really busy. Um, but that is just a snapshot of some of the things that God allowed us to be a part of and in, uh, in partnering with Mescals and working in Kenya. And I wanted to let you know that when you give to Christ Community Church, which is one of the four things here, connect serve, invite, and give. When you give to Christ Community Church, if you didn't know this, 10% of every dollar goes to missions. And when you give to Christ Community Church, part of that money is going to help uh, fund mission trips and mission organizations around the world and support uh, full-time missionaries like Adam and Melissa Williford, um, who used to go to church here and now live in uh, Ensenada, Mexico. Or actually, I guess they just moved from Ensenada, but they live in Mexico um, and, and support them. And so when you give, continue to give because it's helping to support missionaries around the world and share the, the gospel of grace and the, and the gospel of love um, that God's given us. So continue um, to give. And I also wanted to say thank you uh, for those of you who have already been giving, and also thank you uh, for those of you who prayed for us while we were gone. Um, I really appreciate it, and continue to pray uh, for Mescals. Continue to pray um, for the children, that God would use them um, to be able to change Africa, because that's the whole goal um, of Mescals. So I'm going to go ahead and say this real quick. I have a lot to try and say. And I normally like feel pretty good, like I know exactly what I want to say, but I have so much. We could literally be here till 3 o'clock in the afternoon, uh, which would be fine because that's what they do in, in Kenya. They go from like 10 to about 3 or 4 o'clock. Well, some people might not show up to about 2, uh, 12.30, you know, just whenever they get done feeding their cows and chickens, they come to church and, and, and show up. But I, I'm not going to go till 3 o'clock, so I'm going to try and get as much as I possibly can in in a short amount of time. And uh, I might jump around a little bit, and I hope that you uh, can understand maybe a little bit about Mescals, a little bit about what Kenya um, is like and what it's like to live in Kenya and what the Kenyan way um, really is, and to see what uh, Mescals is doing in Kenya to change Kenya for the gospel of God. And so I'm, I'm hoping that you can get some of that uh, today. And then I also have a, a challenge that God's placed on me and for this church um, while we were in Kenya. And so I hope we can get through all that today. And I'll say this, if you have any questions afterwards, feel free to come talk to me and be like, hey, you said all this, but I didn't understand, and you said it really fast. I'd love to sit down and explain it. Um, Charlotte Robertson, I wave your hand, Charlotte. Uh, she is the president of the Board of Mescals, and her and my wife Anna are going to be out at this table that many of y'all pass by on your way in. And so you can ask questions there as well and find out more information um, about Mescals. So what is uh, Mescals? And I'm going to throw up a little picture here. Mescals, this is Mescals right here. Mescals is an orphanage in Kenya. And these are about, um, this is our kids right here. It's about, it's about 30 children um, that we have. And um, some of these children are um, 
complete orphans, what we would think is, is an orphan in America. They've lost their mother and their father. Um, one of those, I'll, I'll show you a picture of her. Her name's Dolphine. Um, Dolphine is um, like our second youngest uh, girl that we have, and she has lost her mother and father. And so the government has sent her to live uh, with us. And she's, uh, do y'all see that smile? I mean, doesn't that just does warm your heart? That's how she is all day long. All day long, you just say Dolphine, and she says, and smiles. It's, it's amazing. But Dolphine, uh, she lost her, her mother and her father. And actually, they, um, when they found her, um, and, and, and she does this, she was, she was like crying on the ground. Um, she was just on her mother's grave, and she was crying on the ground. And, um, but, the, but now she's, she's, she's come to Meskels, and uh, where she was just sad and, and, and down, uh, she's been able to just, she's probably the brightest um, person that's always just smiling and so excited to do things in in uh, Kenyan churches. I mean, she's like six years old, y'all. Listen to this. When they when they start church out, they usually get up and the preacher's like, "All right, uh, to start out, does anybody have a testimony they want to share?" And you know, people will stand up and stuff. And this is a church, a little probably a little bit bigger than what we have today. And she's six years old, and she pops up front row and comes up and she just, I don't know what she said, it was in Swahili. So it's blah, 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 blah. And they're all like, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. And she just started talking about how good God was to her. And then she goes, I want to sing a song. So she starts clapping and leads the whole church in a song. Does anybody want to do that today? Any, any takers? Uh, I thought not, but uh, I thought that was incredible. So that's, that's the story kind of, that's one story of, of what Meskels is doing. It's this girl um, who, who had no hope. Um, she now has hope. Um, I'm going to show you another picture. This is another, this is the youngest girl. Her name is Melvin. Uh, Melvin, uh, her mother is alive. Um, I think her father's alive. We don't really know anything about him. Uh, but her mother has uh, remarried, and when her mother remarried, her stepfather wants literally absolutely nothing to do with Melvin, so much that when they would eat, he would make Melvin go outside and sit outside and not let her have food. And when we, when they got Melvin, she was she was almost starved to death. When we say starved to death, literally she she was barely alive. And um, and we've we've been able to 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 nurture and and to nourish uh, Melvin. Actually, Anna was reminding me this morning that they said when she first came to Mescal, she was literally stealing other people's food. She was so hungry. And so that's, um, that's kind of some of the children, where they're coming from, um, to Meskels. Um, there's another one. I don't have a picture of him right now, but uh, his name's Kevin. Uh, Kevin was, he was one of the older children, but he's one of the least educated because Kevin, um, he was, uh, he kind of ran away from home uh, when he was like six or seven years old. And when they found him, he had been on the streets for three or four years. Um, there's a lot of them that kind of do that. They, they kind of form these little gangs. Um, and when they found Kevin, the government found Kenyan, uh, Kevin, he was um, literally going through like a garbage pile, you know, like a big garbage dump. He was walking through there looking for something to eat. And so these are some of the people, um, when you hear of Mescals and you hear orphanage, yes, some of them have lost their mother and their father. Others, um, they have parents, but uh, there's, there's one named Daniel, and I mean, Daniel's dad just, just beat him and bruised him so much that he still has scars on his arms, and he's only maybe eight or nine years old. Um, and so some of them have been abused. Some of them are just not wanted. Their parents don't want to take care of them. And so um, luckily for us, we're able to, to bring them to Mescals and to teach them about the gospel and to teach them um, and educate them 
And so the goal of Meskels is that these these young people would one day be the leaders of Kenya and help to change Kenya uh, for the name of Christ and be able to be leaders so that the next generation around is not uh, treating their children the same ways. Um, so that's just a little bit about Meskels. Um, Meskels was uh, started, Mes- Meskels as Meskels is about three years old. And this right here is Ruth O'War. This is the director of Meskels. And I, I, I honestly, I can't do her testimony any justice. And I'm going to tell you just a little bit about it. But then uh, in probably a few weeks, I actually was able to video her testimony. And it'll be online. Um, you can f- uh, find Meskels on, on Facebook. It's Meskels Children's Center of Hope. That's Meskel's Children's Center of Hope. You can find out um, that information at the, at the table if you forget later. But we'll be posting her testimony is absolutely incredible. In the late 90s, she moved to America from Kenya because she had a burden on her heart for the children of Kenya. And she knew how they were mistreated and they had nowhere to go and they had no hope. Well, she moved here. She's not a, she's not a wealthy person by any means. She moved to America so that she could make things um, and sell them, and she actually lived here in Montgomery for a long time. She'd sell things in Montgomery, Kenya, uh, in um, Selma. She would travel around, and the money that she made from that, she sent back to Kenya, and her da- where her daughter was there to take care of a bunch of orphans and a bunch of children. She she just li- she lived in a small little apartment. And literally every dime she made, she sent back. Is that not an inc- incredible testimony? And and just in a few weeks, you'll be able to hear her um, tell the story, and, and it's absolutely amazing. So about three years ago, um, she moved back uh, to Kenya. After while she was here, she met. I'm sorry, I'm going back. This is where I told you I'm going to jumble the story up. She met Charlotte Robertson and some some women in a Bible study. And long story short, uh, they began uh, Meskels as a nonprofit to where. Here in America, we can help to support the children. Instead of Ruth living here and making just a few things and making a few small dollars so that they could eat and they could go to school, um, now uh, people like you and people like me and uh, people like this church or small groups can donate and can sponsor children so that they have food to eat, so that they have their school fees paid, so that they can have uniforms to wear to school, so that they can have clean water, so that they can have a place to bathe, a place to use the restroom, um, have a bed to sleep on and not sleep on a dirt floor. And so uh, today, maybe as I'm sharing this story, maybe God will put it on your heart that you would like to sponsor a child, you'd like to support Mescals. I know there's several people in this congregation that have already uh, given, and we want to thank you um, for your gifts that you've already given. Um, but if you, you want more information about how you can sponsor and how you can and, uh, support Mescals, you can go out to the table and talk to Charlotte and Anna this morning. And I want to uh, just clarify, because some people get a little confused and they see pictures of children out there. When you see a picture of a child out there that needs a sponsor, that doesn't mean that that child is hungry and doesn't have clothes. Um, that just means that we need more money to be able to fully support all the children. So the money is, you know, it goes across and shares across all the children so they all eat the same food they all have the same clothes and things like that but um, they they have sponsors and they they will write letters to you they will write a lot of letters to you um, actually I think I have a picture of Anna helping there she is uh, helping uh, them uh, with their grammar because the young ones it was you you wouldn't understand it but they were really good and it was so so amazing and and their heart uh, they just love their sponsors and you can send letters to them you can send gifts to them um, it's really a, an, an incredible process and it really makes an impact on their life um, so if you want to do that today um, you could go by the table later today and that was my one uh, small plug there um, this morning um, so. For the last uh, three years, they've been living um, 
Oh, that was the wrong picture. There we go. They've been living, uh, and Ruth and her husband Kenneth, uh, in their compound. Um, that's Kenneth and Ruth and me and Anna. Um, and they've been living in, in their compound. And here's a picture of the compound. That's actually the house that we stayed in while we were there. And they just have two big rooms um, that have some old bunk beds that are kind of falling apart and some mattresses that are falling apart. Most of them, their blankets have holes in them and their pillows might have this much like fuzz left on them. Um, and so it's it's a great place though that they've they've been able to have, um, but it's not up to it wasn't up to like the codes uh, for an orphanage in Kenya. They they do have regulations um, for that. So a few years ago, uh, Charlotte and and the board of Mescals, which I, I didn't even mention that I'm I'm now serving on the board uh, with Mescals as one of the um, um, board of directors here in America. Um, the board. Um, before I got on, they had begun raising money to build a new building, um, which is one of the, the things that you saw in the video, people doing construction. That was one of the things we were able to partner with. And so they've been saying at this, this one place, but now uh, they've been building this building in just a month or two, they're going to be able to move in. And this place, I know you probably will look at it, and if you see these pictures, and we'll be posting more on Facebook, you'll probably look at it, and right now the building's not painted, and you're like, it kind of looks like a jail. And yeah, it kind of does. It's concrete walls. But here's the thing. In Kenya, um, the houses, most of them are made out of mud and sticks. Like, I'm not exaggerating when I say sticks. They take a hatchet out, and they chop down really small trees, um, and, they, and they tie them together with, uh, with you know, string, and then they put mud around it, and then they sleep on the floor, and they might have a grass roof over it. That's how most houses are. Um, if, they're, if, they're, if they're wealthy, a little wealthier, they might have like a tin wall, uh, just really thin tin metal. might be walls around the same sticks in a tin roof. Um, that would be a little bit nicer house. And then the, the nicest houses are all made out of concrete. So this is actually like the Taj Mahal of the whole area. This is in a rural area in Kenya, and it literally stands up above everything else here. This is um, kind of the back of the building that we're building, and this is going to be an area, just a common area in the middle where the kids will have some tables to do their homework, um, to play. These steps would be used. Y'all saw them singing in the video. Uh, that was just them singing in a car. We went on a, a picnic and took um, 30 of them in a 15-passenger van, about 45 minutes. Yeah, it's safe. It's, it's all right. Listen, they have babies tied to their back riding on motorcycles. I guarantee you that was legal. Um, and, uh, but they, wrote, they sang for all 45 minutes we were in the car there, and they sing nonstop all day, every day. So we plan on this being a really good steps for them to be able to do performances and things like that. And so it's going to serve a great purpose there. And then I have one other picture um, that I'm going to show you. And this is kind of the back of the building. And so there's going to be, you know, right now they're they're two, I'll say they're large rooms. They're bigger than most people's houses in Kenya, but that most houses are like 10 foot by 10 foot. So they have two rooms that they're in, and everyone's in the same room right now. Boys have one room and girls. Uh, and so now they're going to have each have a wing, and this is the boys on the left and the girls on the right. And uh, there's like four or five rooms in each one where there will be two bunk beds, um, which is kind of the regulation in Kenya. And then this is really amazing. They have indoor um, well, they're still squatty potties, but they have indoor toilets and indoor showers, which right now it's outside right next to their septic tank, and it smells, and it's, it's, it's a not great place. There's a lot of mosquitoes um, right there. So now they're going to get to be able to do all that inside, which I know we're like, okay, I would never shower outside um, or use an outhouse. Well, that's, that's what they're doing now. So that's going to be an incredible improvement. This building is absolutely amazing. I mean, we spent a lot of time there. They're in the finishing stages, and Ann and I got to be a part of a lot of the finishing stages of um, purchasing materials and making sure they did things the right way. Um, 
and not just the American way, because we wouldn't <laughs> we wouldn't build anything the way they build it over there. But to, to do things the way in which they do, and so um, it's really exciting uh, the new building, and we're really excited about them moving in. So I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you I'm gonna go back. I probably should have done this earlier. For those of you who don't even know where Kenya is, you're like, is that like next to Guatemala, or you know, is it in Central America? Or is it by Canada? I don't know where Kenya is. All right, Kenya is in Africa. You probably didn't know that. Uh, and it's on the eastern part of Africa. And yes, part of it is on the coast. Um, Mombasa is in the, uh, in the bottom right-hand corner, southeast. And um, where we were is in, uh, we were in a place called Kima, and, uh, which is a very, very, very small village. The town street is probably as long as the back of this building to the front of this building. That's like the, the little town. There's a bunch of little shops and things. It's not very big. Dirt road. Most of the roads are dirt roads there. Um, but it's, it's near Kusumu. If you look over on the left-hand side, you see Lake Victoria, and Uganda's right above. Um, we're, we're a little bit, I guess, maybe north of, of Kusumu, and about an hour or two from Uganda. Um, up, it's up in some hills. If you, if you follow me on Instagram, we've posted some really cool pictures. There's just rocks um, everywhere. It, it's really beautiful. So that's where we're at um, in Kenya. And so uh, to try and further your... Uh, your, your knowledge and your education on, on what life is like in Kenya, they do, they do mostly, most of them speak English. Uh, the kids especially, they learn English, so, you know, we, we were able to speak English. We didn't have to learn much Swahili, although Anna did realize the first day that everybody in America knows Swahili. We really, we really know Swahili, because they said, do you know any Swahili? And she said, well, you know, I know uh, Simba. And, uh, and they're like, oh, yeah, that's Lion. That's Lion. So which is my shirt is a, is a Simba there. And she was like, uh, Rafiki? And they're like, yeah, that means friend. And then she said, uh, Pumba? And they're like, yeah, that's a little hog. And then she said, uh, I know uh, Akuna Matata, which, uh, which means no problem, uh, not no worries. But, you know, the song, the song still works. So we all do know a little bit of Swahili, and we learned a few more words than that. But... Um, not enough to, to have a conversation with anyone, uh, but it was really fun uh, just listening to people speaking Swahili and trying to pick out a little word here, a little word there, and we'd know what they were talking about because they'd usually drop this in there somewhere, blah, 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 Mzungu, which means a white man, uh, and then we'd know that they were talking about us, and this guy was like, hey, they're, uh, they're thanking you for being here, and I was like, yeah, I got it, man. I figured that out, and uh, so it was really neat. The, the kids, they've never seen a white person before. And so we'd ride down the street, and they'd just scream, Mazungu, Mazungu. And so I really, I was like, hey, guys, I have a name, you know. Like, but it's okay. It was, it was really exciting and, and a fun time, and everyone always laughed about that. Um, a little bit about the education, because this is one of the biggest reasons uh, that Mescals exists is so that the children can get an education. Um, most of the time, if, if a family, they have a kind of a choice. If they have a, just a little bit of money, they can either feed their kid or they can send their kid to school. And so some of them feed their kids, some of them send them to school. Um, there's no, like, free public education like there is here in America. We're, we're very blessed to have that. Um, their, their education is not very expensive, but it does cost, and they do have to, they have to wear a uniform to it. And so um, there's, there's primary schools everywhere, and the primary schools are, um, I guess, ages like, you know, kinder, our kindergarten age um, to eighth grade. And so once they get to eighth grade, um, they have to study, and they, you know, they go to school from like 7 a.m. to 4. If there's any 
people in school in here, y'all are like seven to four. That's a long day, except unless you go to Lamp Drew. I'm sure y'all are there all day, but that's kind of different. Um, and then the, the older ones stay until six or seven in the evening. Um, and then a lot of them go to school on Saturday so they can study because uh, once they get to eighth grade, they have to study and take this exam, um, which can get them into a, a high school. And the way the high schools, they're all boarding schools, and there's like, you know, the cream of the crop, the Harvard, you know, types, and then, you know, like the Alabama types down here at the bottom. Uh, you know, that was a joke. Heck on. Anyway, I'm just kidding. Uh, you know, there was, there's, the, there's the top, there's the top um, you know, high schools and boarding schools, and there's lower ones. And however well you do uh, allows you to be able to get um, where you can get selected and go into a better school. So it's a lot like, I guess, the ACT program after your high school going into to college here. Um, but there it's, it's just to get into high school. And then if they get in, they still have to somehow find the money to be able to pay to go to boarding school and, and continue to pay and to be able to finish all four years. And uh, that doesn't happen a lot of times. There might be a kid who's really, really smart, but his family just doesn't have the money to send him. So um, sometimes they end up in a trade school, which um, I'll show you a picture of one of the trade schools that um, we got to, to help out with, which is actually run by uh, Kenneth O'War, Ruth's husband. It's a tailoring school. And so some of the kids, they might end up in like a trade school, like a tailoring school. We have another, um, actually one of our, our uh Miskel's kids, his name's Reinhardt, and this is him and me. He's actually in welding school um, right now, and he's really excelling really well. And that, y'all, this, if you look, like, it doesn't really, you would be like, are you sure y'all are in Kenya? The equipment they had was, like, like out of this world. It was, like, really nice uh, for their welding and, and mechanical school. So they, they actually have some really good trade schools. But uh, most of the kids would much rather go to high school and to be able to try and get to university. So sometimes the... Um, the kids are teased that, you know, hey, you didn't make it to high school. You're dumb. I mean, they, they really, they tease the kids and they pick on them. And, uh, and so that was one of the things we were able to do is kind of minister to those kids that were in the trade schools and, you know, letting them know that, hey, listen, the world needs you, that, that, that we need people who are tailors and they're good at their job to make us clothes. Otherwise, we'd all be naked. Uh, you know, we need mechanics. We need, we all need to be a, a part of this together. And so we were able to um, kind of encourage them a little bit in that. Um, uh, that was the, that's kind of the education, uh, I mean, that's a snapshot of how the education works over there, and so what's really cool about Mescals is we're able to send all the, all the kids go to primary school, and it, w however well they do, we, we, we send them to the absolute best boarding school that they can go to when they get to high school, and then if they get into a university, we want to be able to help them, uh, we don't have any that are that old yet, but we have um, one of our students named Samson, he's, he's at one of the top boarding schools in, in Kenya, and he's at, he's like at the top of his class there, and so he wants to be a doctor one day, and so we want to be able to support him to be able to send him to university so that he can be a doctor, and that he can save people's lives in Kenya. We have another one um, named Ian, and he wants to be a lawyer, and uh, so we want to be able to, to help him be able to excel, and so that's how Mescals is helping to change and shape Kenya. Um, uh, Ken, uh, I didn't say this earlier, Mescals isn't an orphanage to, to, for adoption. We don't want to just adopt our kids out of there. We want to be able to raise the kids up to be new leaders in Kenya to change um, Kenya because they, they don't need to be uh, to, to saved and taken away from Kenya. Kenya is a, is a great place to live. It's a, it's a great place um, for them to be able to share the gospel with people. And so we want to help change Kenya um, for the sake of Christ. And so the last thing I'm going to say about the culture in Kenya, and this is I'm telling you, nobody in this room, if you have not been there, will be able to understand this. But life is slow. 
very, very slow. Let's say somebody um, invites me to lunch today. You invite me to lunch? Well, hey, I'll get there when I can, you know? I, if I'm two hours late, I'm not apologizing, <laughs> and you shouldn't expect me to because, hey, it's Kenya, and that's just how life is. I got other stuff to do, and, you know, I might or might not have any form of transportation, so I might be walking five miles, and if you leave, you're the one who owes me an, apolo uh, an apology for leaving when you asked me to lunch, and you couldn't wait two hours for me. You know, I mean, geez, come on now. That's how life is. So the, the second we get off the airplane in Kusumu, and we, uh, we don't know where we are, but we've been on plane for like 16 hours, you know. Um, we land, and she go, uh, Ruth says, now I hope y'all packed a big old bag of patience. And I was like, well, I mean, you know, we've got some clothes, some medicine, stuff like that packed up. You know, I mean, I'm sure we'll be fine. Yeah, uh, patience is not my thing. And so when we got up in the morning, you know, and I'm like, all right, I'm ready to go. What are we doing? And she's like, well, you know, we're going to, you know, do this and that and this and that. And then, you know, two hours later is when we finally left to go do stuff because there were some things that came up, you know, and we might have ten things on our list to do. And we might get, you know, three done, and that was okay, because that's the Kenyan way. Um, they just, they, they, they go slowly. You know, you go to the bank, it might take two hours. No big deal. Um, life is slow. And so every day she reminded us, you've got to pack a big bag of patience. And that really, um, it, honestly, it, it, uh, it moved me, um, because a lot of times I get just going so fast and so fast, and you miss a lot of things. And we were able to spend a lot of time just getting to know people and, and just talking and having conversations with people while we're waiting. Um, Anna read like seven books while we were waiting for stuff, you know. I read one. I'm a slow reader. But, uh, um, and that a lot of times that would be, you know, we spend a lot of time in the car traveling because the roads are... Oh, man. If any of y'all have ever been hunting and like out in the woods and you've been on like a really muddy dirt road. I know a few guys in here that, that know what I'm talking about. Yeah, those are probably better than a lot of the roads that we were on in Kenya. Potholes everywhere, dirt roads, um, and that's like with, you know, oncoming traffic, which is on the left-hand side of the road. Uh, yeah, they drive on the left side of the road, steering wheels on the right, which really messed me up because I drove while we were there, which was, which was awesome. I loved it um, because, well, we had a pretty big van, and, and the bigger the van is, the bigger the car is, the, you know, you've got the right of way, so you just kind of tell these other people where to go. There's no stoplights. There's no stop signs. Uh, there's not any, like, police patrolmen except for people standing on the side of the road uh, with some spikes out on the road um, if you don't stop and talk to them which we always did, and we were fine. And then they have speed bumps. That was the only thing that got us was you'd be driving through town, you know, going 50 miles an hour because you can't go over 50 miles an hour with the governor on the, on the car, and you'd hit a speed bump all over the place. It was like being, it was like driving around Walmart's parking lot just hitting speed bumps and hitting speed bumps. But that's, uh, that's kind of how the, how the traffic was. But that was life. Life was slow. Um, you know, it took a while to get places, and then we might get there and have to turn around and come back, and then turn around and go right back and, and make a lot of trips. And so, so that's kind of life in Kenya. And so when people ask us, you know, what did you do in Kenya? Okay, so now you know a little bit about Mescals. 
uh, you know a little about a little bit about what Kenya uh, life is like in Kenya, and they say, you know, what did you do in Kenya? And that's why I tell them, I say, we lived in Kenya. We lived in Kenya for a month. We lived uh, the Kenyan way. We learned what it's like to to do life slowly and to to make relationships with people and to and to you know, hey, we've got all these things to do, but this person needs us to go over there and to be with them. Or you know, hey, uh, one of the kids got sick. They they got malaria. We've got to take them to the hospital and 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 take care of them. And so we learned what it was like to do uh, life that way. And every day um, was really something new. Each day was completely different. Nobody over there, they don't make plans for tomorrow, y'all. We would try to, and then you'd wake up and be like, yeah, sorry, that's canceled. Here's what we're going to do today. We're just going to kind of go with the flow. And it was it was really awesome. But every day was a new day. Some days um, we spent at the, the new site working on construction. And uh, I got to paint with this really, really, really watered down paint that I really wasn't sure if I was getting anything on the wall or not. But they were like, hey, that's paint. And so we'll put seven coats of primer on. And I was kind of, all right, well, that's what you do. So I painted. And uh, it was fun. We'd, we'd, uh, we'd help with the, the purchasing of the the uh, materials for the building and stuff like that and go pick them up. Um, there was a hospital about a half a mile away that um, Anna, who's in, in pharmacy school, she's starting her third year of pharmacy school tomorrow. Uh, she got to go, and she worked probably four or five days um, down there, and she would give injections to people and, you know, give drugs off their three-shelf pharmacy that's smaller than most of y'all's pantries at your house. Um Y'all, I mean, most people in this room probably have more drugs in their in medicine cabinet than that than that pharmacy, right, Anna? Wouldn't you think? Probably so. Um, so, but she got to work there and to to minister to people there and love on them and and help them out. Um, you know, obviously we drove around a lot. Um, I got to sing in a few churches, and we were whenever we were home hanging out with the kids, they always wanted Uncle Jeff get the guitar, Uncle Jeff play the piano, Uncle Jeff, you know, and. And we'd sing and sing and sing until I, like, fell over, you know. So it was pretty fun. And then they would sing, and uh, they, w- they learned. They're still singing all the songs we taught them. Uh, it was, it's really neat. They have an incredible memory, and they can sing really good. I'm sorry, but they're, they're probably better than you guys, you know. Uh, they're just really good. They're probably better than, than the worship team. Sorry, uh, worship team. But they're, they're really good. Um, you know, uh, we got to teach um, and share uh, devotionals and things like that in, in the school uh, the in the uh, the trade school and uh, with the kids on Thursday nights they have a thing called Christian Union it's just like a Bible study they have kind of like our youth have on Wednesday nights with Illuminate and so we got to share in there I I did get to preach um, at a church that actually is it's a church where the uh, it's it's one of the boarding schools is right next to us, and all the the girls from this boarding school, so it's ninth through twelfth grade, fifteen hundred high school girls. I got to preach <laughs> to fifteen hundred high school girls in English, and yeah, that was uh, that was exciting. I wasn't sure how to relate, but uh, I tried my best, and they loved it. So uh, that was really fun. So we got to do a lot of different things, and the biggest thing that we did, uh, obviously, I took a lot of pictures, like two or three thousand pictures, like six hundred video clips. Um, so I've got a lot of editing <laughs> to do in the coming weeks. Um, but the biggest thing that we realized we were able to do is just to make uh, make an impact in people's lives, and it really hit home when we got back a few weeks ago. Um, we had a guest speaker that Sunday who was talking about the impact that each and every one of us can make in people's lives just by being Christ, by being the salt and the light of the world that Jesus has called us to be. And so that's kind of where I want to go with this today, is just to even maybe piggyback off him for a little bit, that God has called each and every one of us to be the salt and the light of the world. 
you see, um, Jesus actually said that in um, Matthew 5, 13 through 16. He said, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has become tasteless, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor does any lamp uh, anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who, uh, all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. So that's what, what we got to do when we were in Kenya. We got to be salt and light and to make relationships and to build relationships with people. And I know, I, I, I know and trust God that we made an impact on their life because they sure made an impact on our life and, and people that I will never forget in my entire life. And, um, and so when, when people ask us, you know, why did you go? Why did you go to Kenya? Why? I say because God called us to. He clearly, if you heard the full story, God completely ordained our trip to, uh, to, to Kenya, and he, he paved the way, and all we had to do was listen to God's voice and be obedient to what he was calling uh, us to do, and it has nothing to do uh, with anything we did other than being obedient to what God is calling us to do, and I know God's calling each and every person in here to be salt and light. Maybe I don't know exactly what it is he's calling you um, to do, but I do know that he's calling you to be the salt and the light, and only you can listen to God's voice and hear what it is he's calling you to do, and then, in turn, uh, be obedient. So, um, I'm just going to, I'm going to have to, I'm going to pull Keith here and skip half my notes. Where are you at, Keith? And uh, we're going to jump down here. I told you I could go till 3 o'clock. Um, so, we're going to, we're going to jump down here. And so, Maybe, maybe, maybe what God's calling you to do, and what I'm saying is, I don't know what it is that God, that God is calling you to do. I'm, I'm not God. I'm not God's voice. But, but, but you can hear God's voice by reading His Word, um, by spending time with Him. And so I'm begging people today to listen for God's voice. And maybe, maybe what He's calling you to do is to share Christ with your neighbor. Maybe um, it's to start like a blog online, sharing about what God has done in your life. And maybe it's something as simple as just being a godly and good husband or wife or son or daughter or a father or mother. But whatever it is that God's calling you to do, I know that it's a perfect plan for your life. And if you'll just be obedient, he's going to honor that, and he's going to be faithful if we're faithful. Now, sometimes uh, what he's calling us to do might have a cost involved. And when, when we went to Kenya, there, obviously there was a cost involved. Everyone asked us, aren't you scared about getting Ebola? And I, and I was like, well, Ebola, the, the closest case is like as far as water to the floor is as far as Alabama to Alaska that's about as, so Ebola no we weren't scared of Ebola but I mean there has been uh, Al-Shabaab has been um, you know they've had been persecuting Christians we were really a, a long way away from that um, where we were in Kenya but you know there was risk involved but the the fact is when God's calling you to do something you've got to be obedient so the maybe the cost for you it might be your savings account it might be your pride. It might be your car. It might be your home, your job. Uh, it might even be um, your life. But whatever it is, um, God is going to work that perfect plan in your life if you will simply be obedient. When I, when I talk about this, I think about a little story in the Bible. They might Maybe they're talking about it in high def today because typically people only tell this story to kids for some reason. But it's, it's in the book of Jonah. Anybody ever heard that story before? And God had called Jonah to go to this place called Nineveh and tell them to repent and turn to Christ because it was a sinful, sinful place. 
And what did Jonah do? He said, nah, you just need to wipe those people out. They're so sinful. You know, you don't want them. You know, me and you, we're cool. So let's go talk to good Christian folks. And so he went over to to, uh, Tarshish. And I think y'all know what happened next, right? Okay. You know, the whole uh, whale, big fish, whatever it was, got swallowed up. Um, But I bring up this story because I, I think God is calling each and every one of us to be the salt and the light in different ways. And maybe it's not to go to Nineveh um, to, 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 to tell them to repent, but maybe it is to, to share Christ with your neighbor. Maybe it's just to be a good husband and a good wife. Maybe whatever it is, I don't know what it is. I'm not trying to tell people what God's call is on their life today, but I'm asking you to listen for what he's calling you to do. You see, I know a, a, a lot of people, and, and I'm not going to, I could go off on a whole tangent today about how sick I get looking at Facebook and seeing these Christian people who are just showing the hate of I don't know what because God is not hate and they're just there it's kind of like Jonah he was like listen these Ninevites are just sinful let's just wipe them off the face of the planet and every day I get on social media I see Christians saying God won't he just like wipe all these people out so us Christian or us good Christian folks can you know just live here in peace and I've got to remind everyone that nobody on the face of the planet has ever done anything to earn the grace of God. The grace of God is a free gift that we've been given, and we can't do anything to earn it. So we're no different than anybody else. Jonah was no different than the Ninevites, and that's why, that's why God called him to go, because his grace is for all. His grace is for everyone. And so um, I'm I'm reminded that Jesus said that following him is a narrow way and only a few find it. So why would we think about doing anything except for whatever it is God is calling us to do, even even if it is going and ministering to people that we really, really don't like? If that's what God's calling us to do, we've got to be obedient. I'm going to jump down some more. I'm going to read this quote. Uh, this, this is incredible. This is from the Ragamuffin Gospel um, by Brennan Manning. And it says, Any church that will not accept that it consists of sinful men and women and exists for them implicitly rejects the gospel of grace. As Han King says, It deserves neither God's mercy nor men's trust. The church must constantly be aware that its faith is weak, its knowledge dim, its profession of faith halting, that there is not a single sin or failing which it is not in one way or another been guilty of. And though it is true that the church must always disassociate itself from uh, sin, it can never have any excuse for keeping any sinners at a distance. If the church remains self-righteously aloof from failures, irreligious and immoral people, it cannot enter justified into God's kingdom. But if it constantly, it is constantly aware of its guilt and sin, it can live in joyous awareness of forgiveness. The promise has been given um, to it that anyone who humbles himself will be exalted. That is incredible. The church, we exist for the sinful people. We are sinful people. And without God's grace, we're no different than anyone else in the world. So listen to what it is God is calling you to do, and then be obedient to whatever it is um, God is calling us to do. Thinking about Jonah, he thought the enemy was, was Nineveh. He was like, it's the sinful people, that's our enemy. And, and I love this quote from um, a book that Anna had been begging me uh, to read since forever, since I've known her, the last two or three years, really. Um, she was begging me to read it. It's called The Insanity of God. Um, it's by Nick Ripkin. It's, it's a, 
I guess, a false name. It's not his real name, but uh, it's called The Insanity of God, and I would urge anyone to read it. It talks about the persecuted church all around the world. And he says this. He says, The greatest enemy of our faith today is not communism, Buddhism, Hinduism, atheism, or even Islam. Our greatest enemy is lostness. And I think that is absolutely right on. You know, I, I feel like what I was saying earlier, we want to we wanna point the finger so much and say our enemy is, you know, homosexuality or it's this Bruce slash Caitlyn Jenner that everybody's talking about. That's not our enemy. What, I mean, what do, you, what do you expect from a sinner except for sin? Someone that doesn't know Christ, how can you expect them to act anything different? So, and how can we, we point the finger when we're not doing our job, which is to share the love of Christ with them and let them know that there is a grace that can set them free from that sin that has so easily entangled them and the same sin that so easily entangled us. That's our job to be able to share that gospel of grace. See, if our allegiance is truly with Christ, then instead of complaining about all the sin in the world, we'll tell people that there's this grace that can set them free, and they can have a, a life that is free. I love what uh, Brennan Manning says again in uh, the Ragamuffin Gospel. He says, The good news of the gospel of grace cries out, We are all equally privileged, but unentitled beggars at the door of God's mercy. And then he later says, while there is much that we have earned, our degree, our salary, our home, and our garden, the Miller Light, and a good night's sleep, all this is possible only because we have been given so much, life itself, eyes to see, hands to touch, a mind to shape ideas, and a heart to beat with love. You see, the only reason we have any ability to do anything in life is because of the grace of God. And if we're not going to listen to the voice, to his voice, and what it is he's calling us to do, then we're being fools. And, and, and we're just trying to live our own life and saying, yeah, God, thanks for the grace, but I'm going to do things my way. And I, and I really think that we're in danger of things like, like Jonah when God said, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to really show you, if you're not going to be obedient, I'm going to show you a way to be obedient. I'm going to throw you in the belly of a well. And I think we can avoid those type of situations if we will just simply listen to God's voice. And we will listen for the call that he has on our life, and we will be obedient. And so today, I'm going to invite the band to come back up. We're going to sing a song here in a minute um, that maybe this morning you can make this your prayer. It says, give me faith, God, to trust what you say, that you're good and your love is great. I'm broken inside. I give you my life. And so maybe you haven't heard literally anything I've said today. That is fine. It won't hurt my feelings at all. But if you hear one thing it's that I'm begging everyone to, to listen for the voice of God. Don't listen to what I have to say. I might have one good thing to say every once in a while, but God's word is full of the only truth in the entire world, and that's the word that we need to listen to. And so this morning, as we sing, maybe you need to come to the altar to listen to the voice of God. Maybe you need to go to the back of the room. Maybe you need to lift your hands. Maybe you need to find a friend or a loved one and go and get somewhere and pray. But whatever it is God is calling you to do, I, I beg you that you would listen to his voice and that you would be obedient to his call. So let's pray this morning. Lord, I just thank you so much, God. Lord, I do. I thank you for allowing Anna and I to go to Kenya and to experience life there and to see what it's like to do life on the other side of the world and to know that this same day, Lord, just a few hours ago, there was churches meeting all over Kenya and exalting the same name that we exalt this morning, God. Lord, but this morning I pray that you would make your voice clear to each and every one of us, Lord, that we would be able to be the salt 
and the light of the world that you've, been, you've called us to be, that we would be a city on a hill that cannot be hidden, Lord. We would truly be your church, Lord, a church that loves, Lord, a church that is sharing your gospel of grace to a, to a lost and dying world, that we would recognize our enemy is not the sin, Lord, but our enemy is just this lost world. And that if we're not the ones sharing it, Lord, how is the world ever going to change? So teach us how you, you want us to be the salt in the light of the world. Lord, would you give us faith to trust what you say, Lord? Even though we might be weak, Lord, you are strong. Would you give us the strength, Lord, today? Give us the faith to follow you. It's your name we pray. Amen.